0: The idea of space westerns was so good at the time.
1: <laughs> A rubber bank wearing sneakers, I suppose? And listen to the Uncut Gems podcast, a weekly show where we talk about movies nobody else wants to talk about. (laughs) This is episode number 105 and my name is Granger Danger.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And my name is Randy.
1: (laughs) Uh, You're Colonel. Colonel (laughs) Randy. (laughs) My name is not Granger Danger, by the way. My name is Jakub. But just in case, you're it's your first time in hell. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the reason we're here today is to uh, say a few words about a film. Uh, so, <coughs> so we're talking about Space Rage as um, as a cap to our uh, January January '80s space western odyssey. And boy, what an odyssey this was! Oh. And uh, so you know, in this Odyssey, we talked about Outland. We talked about Space Hunter. We also tied in to this convers to these conversations by talking about High Noon, which is available on our Patreon. Uh, also on our Patreon, uh, which is Patreon.com/slash Uncut Gems Pod. In the month of January, we talked about Sex Lies and Videotape as the sort of the shallow cut tie-in to our shallow cut deep cut project that we we're doing over the course of a year and a little bit. Because we are shit at maths. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we're talking about c- the cinema of Steven Soderbergh. More, more or less comprehensively, because we already did out of sight, so we're not going to repeat ourselves. Um, <clears throat> so, Sex Lies and Videotape is available on our Patreon, patreon.com. And also, by the time you're listening into us, the first episode of our new um, marathon for the year, which is John Cassavetes' marathon, is available to listen, which, which is the episode where we talked about his debut, Shadows. So that's on our Patreon. If you're still listening in January, if you subscribe to our Patreon, you'll get a complimentary thank you mug. <clears throat> uh and also I might as well do we mention might as well just quickly just divulge what's coming in February, right?
0: Yeah, let's go for it.
1: Right. So in February, our Steven Soderbergh Odyssey will continue and we'll talk about on on a regular show. Jakob, don't don't screw this up we'll talk about Schutopolis and The Underneath. Yes. And on the Patreon, as the deep cut... No, the shallow cut tie-in, as in like the... Let's just say out of these these early films, the slightly more popular one, (laughs) we'll we'll talk about The King of the Hill. King of the Hill, not The King of the Hill. I think it's King of the
0: Hill. King of the Hill, correct.
1: There it is. Uh, So that's happening. Also, um, the theme for February is going to be sequels to Oscar winners. So... I'm not gonna say which sequels we're gonna we're gonna do. I'll let, uh, one you'll be probably able to figure out because the tie into one of these episodes is gonna be uh, in the heat of the night. So uh, you figure out what 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 sequel what, what <laughs> sequel this this movie spawned and why. Um, and also our John Cassavetti's Odyssey will continue marathon, not an Odyssey. Uh, and we'll be talking about Too Late Blues. So that's that. So. I plugged whatever I needed to plug, I think.
0: Sounds so, good. Yep.
1: So so let's just talk Space Rage.
0: Breakout on Prison Planet. Space Rage. Laws can't stop him. Prisons can't hold him. The universe is at the mercy of his madness. Space Rage. Space
1: Rage Space Rage was directed by Conrad Palmisano who I believe is stuntman turned director and then he and quite a lot of other jobber on the setter I suppose because <laughs> <laughs> his credits are wild but uh, and the film starts Richard Farnsworth, John Laughlin, uh, and Michael Paré in a, uh, well, space western about a uh, sadistic criminal, Granger, who uh, gets captured while robbing the Bank of Moon <laughs> in his sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets sent to a penal colony. Penal? Penal. 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 Prison colony <laughs> yep. in Botany Bay in Proxima Centauri 3-ish, I don't know, <clears throat> where a bounty hunter, walker, and a retired lawman, cor- Colonel, that's that's Farnsworth, will do whatever it takes to prevent his escape. So, I don't have much to say in terms of, uh, the, this, of the behind-the-scenes shenanigans because uh, let's just say I did quite a bit of digging and not a lot is known. I can only surmise that this movie was a bit of a video release. I'm not sure if it received any kind of cinematic treatment or box office. Did we check? Bo- I didn't check box office mojo. Hold that. Okay.
0: <laughs> I didn't check box office mojo either, but I was sort of, I kept my eye out for some sort of box office receipts. I don't think you'll find any.
1: <clears throat> oh, boom. Yes. It has, a, it has an entry. Okay. <laughs> okay. So it was, re- oh, so it, it earned a whopping, Seven thousand (laughs) six hundred eighty-nine dollars. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you get the picture. Okay. Um. So, uh, where was I? So, Space Rage was. I think it counts as a nineteen eighty-five film, but according to Box Office Mojo, it was released on November twenty-first, nineteen eighty-six. I don't know. Um. So, (laughs) take. You know, there's not there isn't much on this. Like it's yeah, we're gonna get to it in a in half a second anyway. So in the in the interim, I'll just say that I think it was. I'm not even sure it was panned. I think there's one critic. I think our a good buddy Leonard Moulton hated it. Yeah. And um, and that's it. So how about let's just dig. This could be, ladies and gentlemen. This could be our shortest episode yet. Because <laughs> I think up up to now, I think crawl. Is the only one that yep. uh, rains at I want to say fifty six minutes,
0: less less than an hour.
1: Yeah, the the, the long standing bingo item is like we talk about these movies for longer than it takes to watch them. Um, the film is seventy six hours long, so game on, Randy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what you think
0: about Space Rage. Oh, oh, you know I'd never heard of this film before. Honestly, it's uh. It really is low budget, cliched trash, isn't it? You know, <laughs> it is It is what it is. Like it is really, really, it's not a B movie. It's a C or a D movie. Like this is a really low budget uh, affair. And I, I really struggle to say much about this. Like I, I get the feeling that it might be trying to emulate some John Carpenter from Escape from New York, but I, that's probably giving it too much credit Uh, I think it's trying to have a bit of fun, but even say it's trying to have a bit of fun, that might be giving it too much credit. It feels at times like maybe an episode of Magnum P.I., a bad and shoddy one. So, you you know, you've got these cocktail parties with palm trees in the background and uh, you have these souped up dune buggies. Um, So in trying to think of something to say about this... (laughs) (laughs) This is... (laughs) I so, that, someone, so
1: it's longer than an Instagram <laughs> Reel, right? This right. Whole episode.
0: <laughs> what What do we do here? And what I'm left with is I'm always trying to find the story of the film. That's what I love about these chats. Like, what is this particular film's story? And usually our discussion sort of gets into, oh, well, there's an auteur's vision, or it's someone's passion project, or it's just... A cliched marketing uh, venture where, you know, presumably someone uh, with with a business understanding understands a target market out here. I don't think this is any of that per se, but all I kept thinking about is the reason that this film exists is because of the development of the home video market in the 1980s. And to me, those my my research on this and my reading up on this uh, led me to reading more about the development of VHS and VCRs and video stores. <laughs> well, that's a
1: nice rabbit hole to go down. And that was that was way more
0: interesting than this film in a way. So the the film is uh, a hobbled together. Uh, I'll say it's a it's it's a mess. Like it's it's very straightforward. It's very simple. But you know this this gentleman, what's his name, Conrad E Palmasano? Um, yeah, you, you said it. Like his his credits, he you know he's all <laughs> over the place in terms of things he's done in the, yeah. the film industry, and <clears throat> uh, that's what I take it. Like he's he's a guy who's been around film, and now he's saying to himself, oh. Maybe I, I should do that try, myself. I should try directing. <laughs> it's like to go. Yeah. <laughs> I could <can> do this. <laughs> yeah. And, but really, it's like taking the electrician that you have working on your home and say, well, can you maybe do the home decor here and you know find the feng shui and get the right rug to pull it all together? It's just not the electrician that's going to do a good job of that. So I think that's what we have here. We have someone that Knows the nuts and bolts maybe of making a a low budget film, but um, there's nothing here that's creating an output that you know is really going to land with anyone. I can't imagine anyone really, really enjoying this.
1: Oh, there's always one.
0: There's well (coughs) seven, eight
1: million, eight billion people in this world. There's at least one person (laughs) who goes like, "Space Rage is my favorite movie of all time, best."
0: So. (laughs) I get more into sort of my my industry ramblings and maybe why cuz I bet you anything this probably made a little bit of money just oh. because it's probably a low budget and just the way the 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 industry was unfolding with um you know cable networks looking for more content and uh video stores looking to fill shelves I, I wouldn't be surprised if Space Rage actually made a little bit of money uh but Anyway, uh, I do find another interesting piece here is that Richard Farnsworth is is brought into the fold, and he's sort of the the lead I'll here. I think that's, yeah. yeah, I think that's interesting to me. And this is the same year that in Canada he he filmed something which made him Canada's grandpa for, you know, the next 10 years because he filmed Anne of Green Gables for a CBC co-production. And in Canada, that that aired every year for a decade or so. So I think he very much became known as this grandfatherly type of figure. And uh, that's courtesy of his playing in, uh, he played Matthew in Anne of Green Gables, the, the miniseries in the 80s. But the same year, you know, he he's he's doing he's pulled into you know film his botany based ranger mess. is what he is <laughs> <sighs> yep so anyway um jesus i just i wish i had more info on this like what brought him into the fold except if uh this director conrad e. palmasano if he's a stunt guy uh, and has done a lot of stunt work in the past, that's probably the connection right there because I think up until around the earlier mid-70s, um, Richard Farnsworth's career was that of a, a stuntman and an extra. So anyway, that's, it's an interesting piece to see him involved. I don't necessarily dislike his performance or anything, but it's, it's all just such a uh, weird, silly, uh, rushed affair to try to get it to the bottom shelves at video stores in the 80s.
1: I'll yeah that. <clears throat> that that's it. So <clears throat> I don't even know, you know. I come like just think to to myself when you, when you say, you know, oh, you know, it's it's one of those like VHS oddities and I think to myself, immediately, "Well, this is one of those films that, you know, like exists for so that someone out there in the 19 late 1980s would <clears throat> buy it and immediately regret buying a VCR." <laughs> it's just <laughs> <clears throat> why did I do this? Why am I? Why am I doing this to myself? Because um, I'll tell you that much. I have, I didn't quite know how to dress this in words. You know, you know, if this was a tweet now, I mean, space rage is kind of like a like a glass of toilet water. It's bland, vaguely smells of poo. <laughs> it's not really good for you, and you, like and you and it's a glass of toilet water that you pour yourself. So, so you know exactly what it is it's not like it's a surprise it's a no mm-mm. it's a prank you played on yourself because <laughs> you uh, pressed play on this and then you uh, survived for 77 minutes or something it is really bad like really really bad like, I love bad movies I really do <clears throat> but there are bad movies that you can just appreciate on some kind of like, there's something to latch onto and there's there are bad movies that you really can't Mm-hmm. and um i suppose like what i want to say a good half of my my little musings in here may may, may actually just or maybe even the majority women may actually just center around the sort of idea of what makes a bad movie likable but which, which in fact i might as well open with this in a second but you know, i i would say this i have no idea what happened here i have no conrad e palm is uh, and i appreciate the guy who who's apparently who, like if you look through his IMDb credits, he's still stunting, okay? He's still stunt performing. So, and he's, you know, he's not the youngest. He's not the spring chicken anymore.
0: (laughs) He can't possibly be. This film's almost 40 years old.
1: He directed two films. This is one of them. And then there's um, one titled Busted Up, 1986. And then I think someone told him, can you please stop? Uh, So... I'm told Michael Paré was, this was, this was a, this was a bit of a shock to the system for people because he was known for uh, doing, for, for for being a bit of a likable guy. And then all of a sudden he's a guy who says fuck a lot. That's, and he was in Streets of Fire, (laughs) you know, so, you know, so, and Moon 44 later on. So I keep... Oh, and he also starred in Uwe Boll films, which is an interesting segue if you think about this. Think about this because for me, this is like the 1985 sort of equivalent of mm-hmm. like what Uwe Boll would be making now. This is the kind of garbage <laughs> that is low budget, but equally is low in likability. It's it, you know, it's like one. Of <laughs> I don't to, I don't want to offend anyone, but you know, this is the sort of the type okay. Well, this is a homeless person who's not only who's 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 not neg- exactly begging or asking you to give. Like he's a- he's actively trying to accost you. So he's not only not only is he in poor condition, he's also aggressive. Okay. <laughs> it's, 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 it's,
0: like even, it's like a cornered rat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like. Yeesh. Get the,
1: get, uh, can you have can you have can I have a can have a dollar? Can you have do you have a pound? It's like, no, I don't have money. I sure have money, you fucking son of a bitch. <laughs> just, Jesus. I can, and you immediately don't want to be around him. And because you know, like you just you just think to yourself, What's that? <laughs> you know, that's the film in a nutshell, you know? This this sort of like a cornered homeless person who's quite aggressive because he may or may not be on drugs. Um sometimes I wonder where where these comparisons come from i i don't i honestly do not know so let's just because i i think we both agree that this is a bad movie that's kind of unlikable yeah let's start with this
0: well can i throw see. in there because you did you sure. didn't mention you didn't mention the screenwriter jim oh, right. lenahan did you look up <laughs> no didn't mr didn't lenahan's know. credits <laughs>
1: no hold on hold Go that thought it. you do it man you'll I'll, love it I'll do this. Is he a porno writer? Please tell me he's a porno writer. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> Does he write for Uwe Ball? No, I'll let you look it up and
0: give a reveal. Uh, hmm. Hold on.
1: Oh, I have to go on IMDB to do this. Jesus, because he doesn't have a Wikipedia page.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's worth the wait.
1: <sighs> Jim Lanahan. He's a... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, the man who wrote Space Rage is also um responsible for Sylvanian families, one episode in nineteen eighty seven and Hello Kitty's fairy tale theatre. Uh, so uh quality
0: shit just the best just the best
1: so there's so there's that you know <clears throat> quality talent and on I mean on and behind the, on the screen and behind the camera um, although I, I I will have to say like between the two like Richard Farnsworth becoming Canada's grandpa is probably a way better choice than becoming America's <laughs> lo- uh, space space Lone Ranger in a in a, in a vaguely looking Gestapo uniform <laughs> <laughs> With an LAPD hat, With an LAPD <laughs> hat. Yes. So, I feel like for me the, the the closest comparison I can make to something that I let's just say a modern a modern audience mm. member could relate is um <clears throat> is an is a low budget like not even that low low budget but like within the scope of what Uwe Ball does a low budget Uwe Ball film, you know? Yeah. The sort of the House of the Dead was it the House of the Dead or like the it's Island sort of the Dead? I can't remember. House was of the a, Dead. The House of the Dead, yeah, yeah, like it. It kind of borders on just have being being uh, like a underground porno, you know, without all the sex scenes. So, what? So with that, what makes a bad movie likable, and why is this one not likable? Because I think we both agree <laughs> this one is not likable very much, is it?
0: No, it's it's it's, and to me, I think there has to be something that you can latch on to. And here there's, there's just nothing to latch on to, even though you've got Richard Farnsworth in there, who I like, he's actually misused because he's underrepresented and, and we, we don't meet him right away. And he seems like he's a secondary piece until he needs to be the main piece. So he's, he's sort of misused. Um, Now, I don't think he was a big star in, the 80s at all um and maybe michael perry is but the whole idea of uh richard farnsworth's character it's hard to latch on to him because you don't meet him early and you don't really spend much you only have a couple scenes with him through through the film until you know the the climax and the the grand finale he has finale. this sort of
1: shooting range with his um what is his face the grand grandkid who witnesses mom being butchered yeah, and then he drops a flower pot
0: yeah, it's, it's Lachlan's, uh, it's his kid, isn't it? Anyway, yeah. but this stuff is, is poorly set up. The the world building isn't the greatest. And I, I think for us to, you know, uh, hitch our wagons up to Farnsworth's horse, you know, honestly, we don't spend enough time with him to, you know, to care. And we're also sort of distracted because Lachlan is the bounty hunter. He's the guy that you know, chases some of these villains down, these escapees from the from the penal colony. He's the one who chases them down and takes them back to the ward and goes, asks for his money. So uh, the whole thing is just sort of thrown together. It almost feels like, <clears throat> pardon me, it was written the day of, and who do we have today? And, oh, uh, well, we don't have Farnsworth until Friday, so why don't we do this scene with, with Lachlan? And it just turns into maybe making, what is this? I keep saying Lachlan, but it's named name, uh, it John is it Lachlan?
1: Lachlan. Is it John Lachlan or John Lachlan? John Lachlan? Walker, Lachlan. Walker is the character's yes. name. Yeah. So, <clears> yeah, bounty so John, hunter.
0: The bounty hunter. So he seems to be even the prototypical type of bounty hunter. So he's sort of, uh, you know, strapping guy, probably in his 30s, handsome and talks tough and catches a few villains. And, you know, he talks tough to the warden and demands his money. So he's the guy... I would think that we would be following, um, but that's, that's the film. twist. That's the twist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, in terms of it being a that's character genius. that we should that we should latch on to, nothing really works here. The concept isn't. Uh, the concept doesn't really work in a way because it, it just seems that there's all these little credibility issues that sort of pick away at things that are set up. The whole idea of this penal colony, well, you're you you uh yeah you villains you you criminals you're you're stuck here on this planet and you know we don't have any walls so you know but there's no point in going anywhere because there's only one port to that you can leave this place but th- this doesn't make any sense because there's a whole community down the road so you know there's there's a better life down the road it nothing really makes sense the the world building's not great it always feels like it's shot in, you know, your friend's backyard, or you had access to this. That's
1: my nose. It's like was it shot in someone's house? while yeah.
0: they were still there. Like for example, the courtroom scene, right? Which yes. should have some sort of uh, scope or spectacle or feeling to it. It's just this. It's this white room, and all the judge has in in front of her is like a a, pit, a pitcher of water. <laughs> you know so it's just this is just it it feels like I could do this with about four hours of prep that like that's what it feels so it's really hard to engage in in that when the film isn't winking at me so it's not like I can you know catch on to and and latch on to any type of you know cheese or you know homemade, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, we're having fun doing this and it's all about the the having fun of doing this. It's it's not, th- that's not there for me. Uh, it just, nothing really works. I'm thinking character in the production and you know the, the plot is a whatever. I think if anything, this is built on, it's built on the space Western idea and that is fairly weakly developed as well. well without much a bit space, of a by the at way. The end. Without any space really, except that one shot at the port... For the most part,
1: uh, I mean, I suppose the technology of like the, these Dune buggies and whatever it's uh, stand-ins for horses, I suppose. Yeah, but and, uh, and a and a prison cart that apparently was nicked from the Logan's Run yes. set. <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> That's so, the
1: only piece of tr- piece of piss. piece of <laughs> trivia. It's
0: the only i found. We have, yeah, uh, yeah. So th- there's just not much fun here. Like, like I say, it, it feels like. Here's a guy who's been around movies. He has the general sense of, you know, what's involved with putting a scene together, but not from the perspective of narrative or character or, you know, plot or, you know, theme or visual. It's just not, no, we're just shooting the action. And that's all that, that's all that we're getting. It's very, very basic. It's very fundamental. Uh, And there's not too much, there's not too much to get excited about in terms of it being clever.
1: Do you need cheese, by the way for a, for a movie this kind of stupid right do you need do you need it to wink at you
0: I don't necessarily hold the belief that it needs to uh but I think it probably would help and I think there are probably films that uh you know they they know what they are and you know they they embrace that like El Mariachi does not feel as cheap as this
1: but El Mariachi doesn't blink at you
0: no, and that's true, and that's what I mean. Like, doesn't, doesn't I, it go,
1: I, eh, eh, yeah. And well, I don't it's a think, movie. No, it's it, <laughs> it, it, we're, you know, like
0: so. It doesn't. They're taking need it seriously, to. right? Yeah, and these guys are taking it seriously too. So I guess like it, it doesn't really need that that wink at me or it doesn't necessarily have to be sort of referencing the fact that it's low budget or embracing it in a cheese sense so you don't need to have the cheese for it to work but i, I think that it could possibly help i haven't seen mm-hmm. any of john water's early stuff but my my sense is that that those those pieces sort of know what they are and embrace it and go with it
1: like i've seen a few like exploitation films from like the 50s and early 60s and they're just mm-hmm. God damn unwatchable, but you know. But you can it, it, tell when yeah.
0: there's fun and spirit and passion. I don't have, are you familiar familiar with Jim Van Beber? I think I think that's so. His name. Oh, sounds sounds uh, dead. Sounds Deadbeat familiar. at dawn is is oh, his. Yeah. He took he I went see, to film school, and I think as the story went, he took his second year, his student loan for his second year. He took all that, and instead of going to school, he went to uh, make this movie, uh, Deadbeat at Dawn, and. You know, like it's sort of messy for sure, but you know it's fun, and, and you can mm-hmm. tell that there's some fun here, and that's that's what you get with uh, Kevin Smith and Clerks, and that's what that's what you tend to get with these, uh, you know, these these guys that just want to make a movie. So it's really interesting that that element's not here for a low budget film. It just it's literally the electrician decided he would direct this.
1: You know, just yes. some
0: guy that that is not <clears throat> engaged in storytelling. He's not necessarily a fan of film. He's just, well, you know, I can do what I saw the guys do on that other set, and yeah, maybe this it. Maybe this is it. Maybe that
1: you uh, you uh, hit on this. the uh, The electrician or the stunt man or whoever, like the second unit guy, decides I can do this myself. I really want to do this myself. But then he he's not necessarily into it as much as he thinks mm-hmm. he is. He's into the idea of like, oh, this is my job, so can I just be a boss for a second, right? It doesn't look like the film has come together as a a labor of love, you know? This is Mm -hmm. not something that came out of someone's passion to tell a story, even though it may actually be crap, right? It doesn't look like these people are having fun on set. Like, this is something that they're just... like, Like, you watch these people do stuff. Yeah. in fact in a weird way in a weird way it kind of, it, it's a very sort of unsatisfactory piece of pornography because you just <laughs> look at these people just in the process of doing something that in real life is quite pleasurable you know but they're doing it wrong yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: and then there's just something something's wrong in there like some like they're like some someone's someone's getting abused in here and i'm pretty sure it's me and it's just (laughs) so like i'm because it's just it's just this sort of weird feeling you have while while you watch this and i I think you had hit it on the head it's just there is this lack of passion because it's something like el mariachi even though it doesn't because i'm just having like when you're saying like you you want cheese in there you want the wink wink nudge nudge like we're we're having fun at our own Mm -hmm. expense in here which i suppose could have helped because at least it would kind of let you know But they're aware of how how shoddy this thing is i'm pretty sure they are but they're kind of trying to hide it almost and then it's like no no or or trying to pretend that like they're trying to gaslight me and think, like what are you talking about this is amazing yes yeah
0: (laughs) that's what this Uh, is they're trying to gaslight us into thinking that this is this is a legit production (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: Uh, but then i like when films are serious about themselves i like when they have the um what's the term with like board games like the magic circle as in like all this we're all involved in this and we're all in this together so like in the in this sort of little sort of circle of ours like the, the the stick i'm holding is a gun okay and then everyone pretends like it's a real gun right and then they're taking it seriously even though like not the scripts don't match then whatever so i like when a film is trying to do this and the filmmakers are really trying like el mariachi is trying to be serious about making a movie mm-hmm. like they're really making a movie even though it looks crap right mm-hmm. but the fun is in the fact that they're that it's crap and then the and that the passion's coming out of in between like from the seams almost like you, you, you see the seams everywhere but the the passion and love com, comes out of it so yep. it works <laughs> in, in here it kind of looks like you know It's a good comparison, almost like we just talked about, like the early John Cassavetes film, where it's just also put together Mm by people had no idea what to do and how to do it. But you can see the difference, even though I think I was the only person on 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 that episode who actually loved the film. Stop.
0: Yes, true. Okay. Yeah, loved it. Yes. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And appreciated its genius. Yeah. Uh, But you can see how these people didn't know what they're doing, but they they were doing it because they had sort of the urge to do it. And I I feel like there's the urge in here is this sort of the urge like a sixteen year old f- boy feels like uh, like the minute the, the parents leave the house it's just like now's the time to masturbate okay <laughs> this is the urge this film's kind of feeling <laughs> like this is we gotta do this because you know like someone left the camera in the room so we have to so I don't know. It kind of feels like I don't know how 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 you feel about not not necessarily teenage masturbation, but the <laughs> the idea of uh, this this movie lacking passion.
0: Yeah, actually, it, what you're just saying there made me think of what we talked about last week with uh, Space Hunter, and I, I remember that uh, I was we were we were talking about these sort of sets which are set up like like jungle gyms and and I I remember I was talking about you know I, I could imagine myself Hello. I could <laughs> I could imagine myself sort of you know running around a playground when I'm 13 and you know the guys are chasing me and you know I throw them off the 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 shaky bridge and then I have to use my blaster and and the sets in that movie sort of evoke that type of fun and in me, right? And I think that those filmmakers, they get it. They said, okay, well, there's got to be some sort of sense of threat slash fun here. Whereas I think what's happening in Space Rage is they got the memo on what they should do. And rather than imagining someone having fun, they're just going through the motions. Well, we got to shoot it this way. Well, we got to have a guy with a gun over there and a guy with a gun over here. And we got to have an explosion. Oh, we got some guys from you know, the pyrotechnics team on this other film. So we'll do, we'll do a good job in the explosions, but no one's paying attention to sort of the idea of the audience wanting to immerse themselves in this or character development. And uh, I, I feel it's just, it's just really, really cold and just paint by numbers. And it's a, a really weak, weak job. I, I think.
1: I, yeah. You know, as you're saying this, I'm just thinking to myself, like, well, these like, uh... Because for I think for Conrad E. Palmisano, this would have been his directorial debut. So I suppose it was, if 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 this was made by people who actually really get off on watching films, they they were really ensconced in filmmaking and then film watching. They would be. I wouldn't re-accuse them of plagiarism if they started lifting scenes from other things or lifting certain aspects of other films and then including them verbatim into the film because that's what young filmmakers do like like you watch Kevin Smith's films or Robert Rodriguez's films like you, you'll see okay well he will just be be telling you this is my Terminator scene this is my whatever this is my oh th- in this scene th- yeah. this character is doing this little wink from like the Hustler or something like this like they, they will be actively transplanting their passion for the mm-hmm. movie as a as a as an art form into their own work and then here it kind of looks like they were just it's all process driven as in I've been on so many sets and I've seen so many directors exactly. st- stick yeah. a camera right here so I'm going to do it do it like that. I'm not sure why because I mean, I'm not in, I don't really know why this this is happening or whether this is something that I, re- I really find interesting because I I don't know I saw it in The French Connection or whatever. No, this is something that I just do because this is This is how I've always set up a camera on on like when I was working with with like Peter Bogdanovich or something, right? (laughs) I'm not sure if he worked with Peter Bogdanovich, but (laughs) but you know you get the picture. So I kind of feel like this is one of those that the passion's almost. It's like a you know a seasoned porn actor steps behind the camera to direct his own porno <laughs> no, and he doesn't nah, really nah. like watching pornos
0: <laughs> yeah i don't even know he knows how
1: to make them but he doesn't know he doesn't like like watching them so that like he can you know
0: honestly this I, I i think this comes uh, right yes, now. yes. <laughs> oh. Finish your sentences, Randy. Finish your sentences.
1: <laughs> Leave these pregnant pauses right for me to swipe swoop in. Yes. Yeah, uh, I'm not even going right. to apologize
0: for this. <laughs> okay, so I think this is the direct result of the the film industry in the '80s, and just I'll I'll throw in what my rabbit hole, my my what I was reading about the video store market. So when uh, video stores were sort of growing the, the way the video stores would populate their shelves was mostly governed by the relationships between uh, distributors, uh, video stores and the big, the big studios. So video stores were looking to get uh, VHS copies of Casablanca and Citizen Kane and stuff from the seventies and Oliver. And like they were trying to get these, these old titles and these films were available at 70 to to $100 a pop because no one in the 70s, sorry, in the 80s, no one thought that home users would ever want to have a collection of VHS. They thought it was going to be rentals, rentals mm-hmm. only. No one's going to want to watch stuff. Right, and over and over. So the price point, and I always because I was no one,
1: no one's ever going to want to have own ev- own a computer. <laughs> like it sounds like this. What do you mean, like Lord Kelvin saying, like what do you mean, human flight? Machines are denser than air. They can't fly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But, but this is the, <laughs> this is the this was the mentality. So the price point becomes seventy to a hundred dollars to put one copy of a VHS on a shelf, and then it's the video store's problem to rent it. And at four dollars, then if that thing rents twenty times, then we're to the good. So you want popular titles. So. It was also an era where a lot of production companies were popping up because cable was growing, and that this is the first era that was uh, really demanding a lot of content. We need more content. We need more content. So like this
1: had this never changed, by the way. No, no,
0: it just kept growing and growing. But this is the first era where we need more content, and. So Disney sort of changed things. Uh, A couple things changed things. Disney changed things because they made their VHSs uh, sell through for some of their big titles because they realized, yeah, people do want to use these newfangled contraptions, VCRs for different types of things. They will watch uh, Fox and the Hound over and over and over. They will watch Bambi over and over and over. And then you get all these little production companies that are coming up with how-to videos and self-help videos and... Uh, Do you phone
1: the Kalinetics?
0: Yes. That, so this was, in part, it was a big fad because the VCR was a big fad. So I think what's happening is the arse end of the industry, you have people saying, why don't we make a film for eighty dollars to $100,000 and rather than selling them to video stores for a hundred dollars or seventy five dollars, we'll send sell them to video stores for fifty dollars. so then we only have to sell two thousand of these things in order to make money and that's pretty easy because you know there's thousands and thousands of video stores so we only need to you know sell a, to a small number of them. So I think that's what's happening like I remember my local video store having, local video stores having like a bottom row of just these weird little titles and I think honestly there's an enterprising guy out there who's saying let's just put this stuff together I know that stuntman maybe that stuntman could direct something I can pull together a hundred thousand dollars and we'll make we'll make a make a film and then we can we can sell it like we don't really need to put it in in theaters. Like we we can sell it to video stores for fifty dollars a pop or forty dollars a pop. And all we have to do is sell to twenty to, to two thousand different uh video stores across the world. Boom, there's our money. And yeah. I think you had a lot of that. I and I think that's sort of a craze and and the whole idea of home video it being used in different fashions and people recording TV shows that they want to watch over and over. Like that's how I saw twin peaks for the first time was, was recording it. Um, so Anyway, I think that's probably what it is. It's sort of a cottage industry. It's like a, it's like a zit on the ass of the actual industry, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but I, a really I think
1: painful that, one too.
0: <laughs> I think that's what this was, and that's why there's no passion in there. And that's because this guy with hundred thousand dollars—I'm guessing at what the budget was—he gets he he knows a guy who knows Conrad E. Palmasano and says well he's been on a bunch of movies maybe he can direct this and maybe we jim lenahan that guy he can write so he can go away for a weekend and write a script and then come back and and we live down the street from richard Farnsworth. he's got a ranch just on the other side of town why don't we ask him to be in it and is this you know, how he
1: got in there or Was it's, it's the ranch <laughs>
0: that's that's my guess i have no idea but it this is all i think this is all done like that and there is no passion in there. There's not a pro on the end of the, the storytelling end of this. But I think you've got to, where this film shines, if it does, it is some of the stunts are all right. And, you know, there's some really cool explosions or well-done explosions. Like this does feel like some professional network TV at the time. Like, you know, the the Dukes of Hazard explosion at the end of the episode or something like that. Like it seems like some quality work on that end. So my thought is, Someone knows a guy who knows a guy uh, who knows Conrad E. Palmasano. Maybe Conrad E. Palmasano will, you know, take fifteen grand and direct this. And you know, surely God, it'll take less than two weeks. And I think it's just literally snapped together like that. Yeah, and it's all I'm, driven by market forces.
1: I'm just, I just wanted to kind of add to this. Like this, this trend has not subsided one bit. Like I think you're totally spot on with this. It's just now this, this thing, like you. Do you know how many movies are added to your net Netflix or Amazon Prime video library every day? Yeah, true. A lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm just quickly just going through Just Watch and um, and just looking through, through new addition, just to the UK sort of streaming services. I'm just thinking like, well, just in the last few days, like on Amazon Prime, for instance, like these movies, like The Arrival from 1991, <laughs> for instance, right? Um, directed by... David Toohey? Um, no that not, that's not the one that one—that one's that actually one. That, that, one, that That one's actually <laughs> okay. not that bad I mean still bad but you know directed by oh, holy shit this is real <clears throat> the guy's named David Schmiller <laughs> <laughs> stars John Saxon by the way so yeah, there you go Joseph Cope, Robin Fre- yeah so it has like one name you'll recognize and then and there are these films in there just like because every, every day there was going to be like one addition like Mortal Kombat from I don't know from a few years ago, 2021, right? And Mm -hmm. then the whole, and you know, this, this string of shit, they add conspiracy of fear, lethal soccer, mom, dirty money, point of entry, moving too fast, which I think is a spoof of some kind of, some kind of a spoof of, or maybe just like a serious sort of knockoff of fast and furious, right?
0: Actually, as you say all these, I'm pretending they're porn titles. Broken
1: vessels, (laughs) pressure point, (laughs) marching out of time. So, you you know this there's there's the whole string like you 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 can't imagine how big the sort of the the film industry is and 99 percent of this is unwatchable right and we just kind of stepped on on a landmine like this because we stupidly thought like you know in the sort of space westerns like having two wasn't enough right (laughs) <laughs> yeah no, we couldn't we couldn't be happy with two because it could have been anything else like you know you could have had just like a one-off like i don't know do whatever right but now we decided no we're committing to this like we're gonna find the third one and then weirdly enough like this the space hunter was also a shot in the dark but w- yeah. boy what a surprise that was like go and listen but you know like, to me this was amazing this on the other hand is exactly that sort of level of like if you scroll down all the way down to like your netflix library and then there will be a section of like your monster versus films there will be like Mm -hmm. you know like lake placid versus anaconda there will be like sharknado versus mega octopus and then you know and then if you just go strolled and there will be zombies versus something and then all of a sudden you, you actually find yourself in the space of movies that are made with zero passion by people who kind of work in the industry, they're kind of aware of the industry and they they're making this movie because someone paid them yeah. to do it and they yeah. don't really want to do it in any way other than other than to pay a bill. Yeah. So yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's <laughs> so, yeah, that's exactly what this is and you know all it takes is for, you know, oh, I know a guy or uh, Fred Savage is staying at my neighbor's this weekend. I should ask him if he'll you just want to be in of, my movie. <laughs> you want to come over and be in my movie for, <laughs> but, like, for like, an I hour? Honestly, but
1: question I wrote for myself because for me this was a real challenge, like coming up to here, saying what are we going to talk about? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like I'm setting myself a, a a goal of like we need to be able to fill in an hour because it's not like I, like I'm I'm really. <clears throat> I'm trying to be like I'm. I'm. This is going to sound like I'm an egotistical bastard, but you know what? Let, let uh, sometimes I gotta let my let my hog loose. I want to be like the John Cassavetes of podcasting. You know, let the let the story tell itself. You know, let 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 it happen. So the, the it's part of my Fight Club rule. Like the episode is gonna for, gonna go for as long as it has to. If it's gonna be four and a half hours, it has to be four and a half hours. Equally, if it's gonna be thirty seven minutes. It will be 37 minutes. And boys and girls, it's not 37 minutes. It's already longer than this. <laughs> so, you know, but but anyway, at least I, I think I'm having fun. I'm, are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm
0: having fun so far. I'm, I'm with you too. Yeah. <laughs> so,
1: so I'm saying this, like the only, like my question that I, I, I was asking myself all throughout watching this, I mean, I have no idea who Michael Paré was. And then I, I was thinking like, oh, they, they just waltzed into an, a closed uh, shopping mall. And they shot the, and they pretended it's 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 Bank of the Moon. Um and I was thinking to myself, Oh, they're actually just doing a bit of a El Mariachi sort of thing because they have squibs and they have some kind of violence, there's a massacre happening, and then all of a sudden like we just cut to this sort of like courtroom that looks like it's a you know, like an interrogation room at Heathrow Airport, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like so- we're no, like when the Gray dog sniffed, when yeah. the dog barked at your at, at, at your um, at your at your suitcase and you're in trouble now okay yeah. <laughs> and now you have to explain yourself uh you know so we kind of and then michael parr is just standing there like the phones with just with his arms crossed and he says fuck you every now and again <laughs> and and i'm i feel i don't feel passionate about this all i'm thinking of later on when when you see like richard fansworth of what is exactly how is he here why like why is alvin straight here where is his lawnmower that's first and foremost <laughs> 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 that's my question also i wanted a lawnmower and i'm just thinking to myself is this i'm hoping there's someone passionate enough to tell me that mm-hmm. this is their mad max you know that this is their idea of like this post-apocalyptic sort of because They have these dune buggies, and it's clearly shot in like southern California. It looks like it's bleached as well, and it probably is just the way it was shot because no one had an idea about, um, like setting the nope. white balance and right. uh, you know, because
0: or, or filters or any of it, yeah, or filters, or any, yeah,
1: any of that nonsense. They were just like, lens camera action, and they realized it's all overexposed, by the way. <laughs> Conrad, we don't know what to do with it. No, no, no like uh, how are we editing this we're not editing anything we're shooting chronologically by the way so like the stains stay where they are on the on on the shirts so it's it's like the texas chainsaw massacre like they all stink after like 76 minutes
0: (laughs) but yeah like honestly i think this guy Palmasano. he's he's probably got years and years of hooking people up with squibs and doing stunts and playing around with the pyrotechnics and this is probably where he comes from. This is probably his background. Like I say, he's the electrician and he's called to the forefront and say, okay, well, you've got to be the not just the electrician in the background, but you've got to be the engineer of this. You gotta you gotta finish. Actually, you might, you might as well be the architect of this. And was like, yeah. Sure. Yeah, got it. I, he's like, I, yeah, cause I've been over there I'm hooking the up wires. <laughs> <laughs> I've been over there hooking up wires for hours. So I think I know what's going on here. I can do this. <laughs> Uh, you know so yeah that's why it's lacking (laughs) passion this is
1: like you've been fixing light bulbs for like 20 years you know like you're better than this conrad you (laughs) "You you know with your experience you could do this myself and he goes like and you know like with his scrambled eggs in his mouth and and doing one it's like yeah yeah i could do this myself you know what honey i will
0: (laughs) well you get on next door and you talk to jim lanahan when he's finished that hello kitty script see if he's working on another script and you guys put this together and get Morton Reed to produce it. Okay. Yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, like i I'm, I'm with you on like, you know, in terms of what we do here, like, you know, I don't yeah, even know having, what we're doing here. But in general, like each week, like, yeah, have fun and talk about films and try to get to some sort of honesty. And that's that's what I meant earlier when I said, like, what is this film's story? Like I'm always sort of looking for that, and and these conversations have helped, you know, form this that attitude what, with that's what it's
1: what is this film about, is just what is its deal. What is its deal? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's that's a big part of our discussions Although each week. Yeah, the, the other question is still pertinent.
0: <laughs> so and Honestly, I think that is the deal for space rage. I think the closest that we've been to a film like this is probably the Anaconda versus like Placid, or Lake although Placid Anaconda versus, versus
1: Anaconda. was was had the cheese.
0: It had the cheese. It had the franchise. <laughs> it had a you know, wee bit of iconography. It had, Robert you know, England? it had an idea of who its audience might be, like. It had a little bit going on. I will give I will give it some credit. Like I think that even from a business standpoint, you know, from a marketing standpoint, I guess a business standpoint, I think we can do this. I got a hundred thousand dollars. It says we can do this. Um, but from the marketing I want these baby
1: crococondas
0: yeah, they, there's no effort here for any type of target market. Like <laughs> this is this isn't for a certain crowd per se. Like this isn't even for the the space hunter crowd really. Like this is because. The video Spencer stores cost
1: fifteen million dollars to make. <laughs>
0: yeah, well,
1: and half the budget of the Return of the Jedi. It was like it's decent.
0: And see, video stores were figuring out their business metrics that you know we can rent every new release. You know, anywhere from ten to thirty times and whatever. And you know, well, if it's, they can, a, it's content. It's early it's, content. That's yeah. what it is. And you know they. <laughs> Video stores would buy these things. Like I'm convinced that's sort of what's going on here. So th- there's not about reaching a certain audience. It's just, yeah, we can we can reach the bottom shelf of a video store. <laughs> and
1: as a result, the film actually in terms of like story, 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 doesn't mm-hmm. really have much to say. Like there's really zero things to latch on to. Characters are kind of flat. Mm-hmm. The story is essentially just by the number. I'm mean, not even sure it has a story. It's plot elements that you kind of know from somewhere. Yes. There's a prison escape there's um there's a, a bit of a revenge there's a home invasion there's a chase and then and there's a showdown at the end and then the only thing i really wanted was i, I mean if this was made by robert rodriguez cuz this could be like an El mariachi's type of schlock, robert rodriguez would have the balls to include ennio morricone's larena and the, <laughs> na, 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 na. At the end when when Richard Farnsworth was just squaring <laughs> off against Granger Danger or whoever. <laughs> and then and then they would have the they would have the sort of the the Sergio Carbucci sort of spaghetti western feel yes. to it. Just to drive a point home that you know the guys who made this really love movies. They yes. really love Westerns and they made a Western they could afford to make and then yeah, these yeah. guys didn't give a shit no i think that's
0: a hundred percent because morton reed had a hundred thousand dollars you know burning a hole in his pocket yeah you know, i know I, so was made for seven that's right yes yeah.
1: seven thousand dollars seven thousand dollars that was seven years later so i'm pretty sure yeah. by 85 it was probably less it would be yeah. probably like five thousand dollars
0: and I'm making up a hundred thousand. I have no idea. This could even be less than that. Probably no. It's it's less prob- than that.
1: It probably was more. But if you think about all the cars they had to modify for this, the squibs, uh, <laughs> there's <laughs> yes, the exp- there's few explosions. I. But again, few I wonder ragdolls. If- it's like the ragdolls alone, and then the the, the rental of of property. It probably it probably was probably a hundred thousand dollars.
0: I have a theory on this, though. Someone it's just- mortgaged
1: the house based on this.
0: Thinking of Richard Farnsworth's background, he was a stuntman. Conrad E. Palmasano, I think he said he was a stuntman. This all makes sense. What The elements that do look like they're well done appear to be the stunts and the driving. And and (laughs) I I wonder if you have a bunch of professionals who are involved here that are just borrowing shit from other sets (laughs) for a weekend, you know, and it wouldn't surprise me because uh, you made that connection there with there's a Logan run Logan's run vehicle in here. So I think a lot of these things might be on loan. It wouldn't surprise me because I think this is a type of production where I know a guy who knows a guy and yes, well, we can get dune buggies. And I know another guy who just, he has a shop down there and he can, in two hours, he can, he can make them look like they're somewhat, uh, somewhat spacey. And, you know, I just think that, This is very much a function of, well, Richard Farnsworth lives down the road. Maybe he would do this for, you know, $10,000 or whatever. You know, I just, it feels like that type of a production.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it it totally (laughs) does. And I'm just thinking, like, I'm trying to think, like, actively just retracing my steps. And it really is difficult as well just to try to remember what this film was about and how it kind of progressed Mm -hmm. as a story. It is kind of like a medley of the sort of westerny bits of like i was just and i'm, I'm actively watching this is this like a, like the wild bunch is is this a little bit like oh are we following these anti-heroes and i'm just thinking to myself like who am i kidding that no i'm the <laughs> only person thinking this in here like i'm pretty sure anybody else was on the set they were just thinking like boy it's hot in here <laughs> it's just that's all they were <laughs> all engaged in right but it, I'm, I'm trying to trying to think of like redeeming qualities i'm there are th- these elements that you just mentioned, as in, like, well, the stunts are kind of nice, as in, mm-hmm. like, the idea of these chases, these dune buggies, these. <clears throat> I suppose the final sequence where uh, Richard Farnsworth, all dressed in black, uh, after his commando-style sort of uh, prep, he goes after all these guys and he chases them down in this sort of. I want to say it's a factory. I'm not sure where where this is.
0: Everything was a factor in the 80s, though.
1: And, but then, yeah, the sequence as it is, like the set piece, does not have a, like a dramatic arc. It doesn't have momentum or progression, or anything. like you're just looking at this sort of impotently, exactly like you'd be watching a like a sort of shoddy homemade porno is just like I suppose they're about to finish because they're moaning a little bit louder so you know <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> that's your only indication uh, but because there are c- scenes in here which in other people's hands they would have some kind of drama some kind, like there is a home invasion where there's there's this woman trying to take care of her kid and then making making sure that the son would survive and then she's accosted by Granger Danger, who's I suppose. Why am I calling him Granger Danger? I think it's just Granger. Thing. Yeah, just
0: keep doing. It. I think it's Grange, but in a Grange. Granger Danger, I think, is fantastic. Uh,
1: yeah. So Michael Pare is just now revealing himself. Is he a rapist? Oh my goodness, this is gonna get really uh you know uh really edgy in here like no it, no it's not no <laughs> uh, no, uh, it, no nothing really happens and then <clears throat> everything kind of just no, no like suspense never ever builds in there and like you'd imagine that like, well the guy walks in spoiler alert, and sees his his wife brutally gunned down and he goes like well, i have to go do my job i'm paid for i'm just like normally you'd say Heck yeah, yeah, go for it! Like this, this, this this, this is it! Like we're going on a revenge quest, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, okay, he's okay, he's getting into his dune buggy, and and he's taking 17 seconds to fasten his (laughs) seatbelt. Put on a helmet.
0: Yeah, and the way he consoles his son, I think he takes him by the arm and just sort of here, take my take my son i gotta go do my business (laughs) yeah it's just yeah no one no one's thinking about anything here it's just well did we get the shot yep do we need another angle for what
1: it's very hard to even take it apart as in like we'll really just make fun of it there are a few things i made i I was able to make fun of and they will make an appearance in. i want to say three minutes or less because i'm running running out of gas. (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh but other than that, I just like, you know, I, I was actively thinking about these sort of Uwe Boll films. I mean, I'm Dr. Mm-hmm. Uwe Boll, sorry. He didn't Dr. go Bolle. to a, he didn't go, yeah. he, Dr. Boll, he didn't go to school for so many years for people who call him Uwe Boll, okay?
0: True that. Maybe he's listening. Probably he isn't.
1: No, no probably not. I know he, he follows, you. I know he follows you, he probably hates he, me.
0: He, yeah, he follows Nick and me, but you were just a little bit harsher when we covered his movies, maybe. <laughs>
1: Because I You know what I Someone had to say the truth You know It's not necessarily my truth I think this was just The truth It's like He ain't good Chief
0: <laughs> It's
1: sort of the same here Yeah It ain't good And it ain't passionate About what he's doing It's just like I've gotta do a movie Because you know What else am I gonna do <laughs> just not going to go to work so you know i don't know i kind of feel like this this is this is this is me now like i'm done (laughs) (laughs) so well the, uh,
0: the piece for me that you know i think at the heart of this what is this film this film is a result of just sort of a crazy evolving home video market in the 80s and there was room on the bottom shelf for films with low budgets because everyone was renting movies. So video stores figured that they could rent this 10 times. And if they rent this 10 times, they get their money back. And the producer said, I can sell 2,000 of these things as long as there's, you know, it looks like something spacey, something spacey on the cover. You know, there's probably more effort into the poster than there is into the movie because the poster will sell it up from video store shelves. Yeah. I mean, because it was sort of the time of, as we talked about the last couple of weeks, it was the time of uh, every studio and and network wanted to have a a hit space show and a hit space uh, franchise.
1: You know, I, I know what it is. You know, there are companies that spe- that didn't actively specialize in knocking off blockbusters, mm-hmm. and that's their entire mo, right? Like there will be like you'll probably find it in like a bargain bin somewhere in like your Walmart or wherever like Mm. Atlantic Rim (laughs) or (laughs) I'm not even kidding yeah The Day the Earth Stopped Uh, Jack the Giant Killer Transmorphers you know Apocalypse Earth
0: Shark Side of the Moon
1: Abraham Lincoln versus Zombies yeah yeah Battle of Los Angeles just not to be confused with Battle LA right yeah Almighty Thor (laughs) This is paranormal entity. Yeah, American no, warships true. as a as a battleship knockoff. Like that, that it kind of feels like okay in the eighties era. This is Mad Max. Yeah, you know, like s- somehow unhinged Bob.
0: <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, and I think that in the eighties, because of the demand for content, this this Wild West part of the market was trying to sort itself out. But now you do have companies that specialize in it. That's a really good point. So, um, you know, back then you have things like Space Rage, where it's probably just an, I didn't even note the company that uh, produced this, Um, but I can, I bet you they're not around now. And uh, at any rate, like, I think it's just a bunch of independents, you know, guys who know guys that, uh, you know, are friends with Richard Farnsworth or, you know whomever John Saxon lives on my street like these types of connections that's how these types of films uh, get got made back then but it's become a little bit more uh a little bit more fine tuned and conveyor belt probably
1: yeah <laughs> I, I mean i was just thinking to myself like is this something like uh <clears throat> like someone i'm not sure if like, i, I want to believe that someone who made sharknado people who made sharknado actually had fun making it Right, they were just like, "Oh, let's, this is gonna be cool," and then on the back of it, there's this whole industry that goes like, "Let's mm-hmm. let's do a Me, Me Too knockoff," and it kind of feels like this is this is it, the, the bottom rung on on your VHS rental store where <clears throat> someone's gonna step on this and then spend five bucks and they'll immediately regret afterwards. And this will be the VHS tape that's only worn down to like 15 minutes in, and people will just yeah. stop and rewind and then because yeah, <laughs> be kind, rewind, you know and then return it and that's it <laughs> so i don't know with with that i want to say i think we've touched on everything that that needed to be touched in here and i'm ready to wash my hands so
0: <laughs> yeah let's clean up <laughs> let's, let's clean
1: up i you know just to keep it simple how about we just because we we crapped on this movie for i want to say like an hour and four minutes at this point which i think it's a good result Let's just go straight to our tops because I think, in terms of final takes, we both hated it. So how about that? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's
0: that's yeah. that's fair enough. Except I'll I'll add to that, you know, uh, John, uh, sorry, Richard Farnsworth Almost did John do... Leguizamo. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Farnsworth did do a much better project in 1985, and that is the Kevin Sullivan production of *Anne of Green Gables*. I'll say that um but yes other than that you
1: can't be taken seriously by the way because we all you're like a world-renowned nerd for Anne of green gables so you know you're biased heavily biased yeah fair
0: fair (laughs) to a a point maybe fair yeah okay
1: uh, give us your top threes this this must have been a challenge by the way at least it was for me to find three moments that you're you're ready to say you know this was kind of nice
0: yeah i i think i got them though uh heck okay i'll i'll go with i think i have four no wait uh, four jesus I think, stop I th- this man <laughs> <laughs> i think i can do four okay i like in a way even though it sort of messes up the narrative uh i like that they kill off lachlan they kill off, what was his name? Walker. Walker. <laughs> just, yeah. Like all of a sudden, boom, this, this is the bounty hunter I've been following or who I think I've been following. He's the guy who's been tasked. I know everything's pointing to Fernsworth anyway, but they just sort of often kill him, and they never go back to the discussion. They never go back to the kid. They just kill the wife, <laughs> make the kid sad and then kill the dad like a couple scenes later. So, uh, you know, that's interesting. So that's one interesting thing. Um, The prison break scenes explosions. I I think that there's some really good uh, explosion work here. This does feel like the caliber of some action TV that's happening at the the time. Like often the Duke's, the Duke good old Duke boys would have an explosion at the end of the the episode. And uh, I think some of these explosions were, were pretty good and in line with uh, television of the day at least. And I, that I believe a lot of the crew here probably comes from that side of, you know, film and TV production, you know, (laughs) uh, fixing vehicles and racing vehicles and explosions and stunt work. I think that's where a lot of these guys probably come from. Uh, So uh, the Doom Buggy Chase, I think that's actually legitimately decent. And finally... I will say, so yeah, this is my fourth. Uh, There's a moment where the bad guy, he's hanging on the end of a a catwalk and this bad guy says, help me. And Farnsworth, who apparently was always against, uh, you know, the idea of swearing or any type of profanity. This is about as profane as you'll ever get Farnsworth. But anyway, Farnsworth does have a great moment. I'll help you, you sorry, son of a bitch. And then shoots him or knocks him off or whatever he does. (laughs) It's just sort of a... (laughs) he's
1: like was... Flanders he almost has a Flanders moustache as well it's like Oakley Dokley. Oakley dokily ah yep. damn deadly do <laughs> it's just nice it's like Ned Flanders yeah. going on a re- revenge rampage
0: <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> in his sweater there. and his and LAPD
1: hat because someone uh, burnt his leftorium <laughs>
0: All oh, right, what about you? Could you oh. could you muster up two oh, or three?
1: I've got three. I've got three. So, one, the bank massacre was something that I really kind of just like, ooh, this is edgy. Like, look at that. The squibs are, yeah, I liked it. Um <laughs> This is okay. And now we're scraping the bottom of the barrel, but then again, I might as well just substitute it. So I'll, I'll have four. So, like, the, the way Michael Parry says, fuck, is just annoying. I uh, just, and just, just annoying in a way. It's just, he just looks like he's, fuck you. it's just, oh, so nice. And he looks a little bit like, um, I always forget the guy's name in, uh, in Twin Peaks, the one, the guy, the guy with a ponytail.
0: What is his name? Oh, Eric DeRay, Leo. Eric DeRay, yes. Leo, Leo, Leo Johnson. <laughs> Leo Johnson, yes. just <laughs> oh, yes, a
1: tiny bit. Good call. Like he just all, oh, oh, like, oh, all he needs is just, like, when he accosts this woman, just, like, get a bar of soap and a sock and just... Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and say, yeah. fuck you, like, Andy McDowell in Sex, Lies and Videotape thank you <laughs> oh, just,
1: she's, she's so sassy um no <clears throat> so so there's that but then i actually did like the uh the showdown at the end when um <laughs> uh Farnsworth misses and then you get the callback to the the cartridge oh that he has in his belt and just there's this brief moment of suspense and i'm just thinking to myself oh come on let's do this you know it's kind of like the terminator for a second and he's just coming at you from... oh, like It looks like... The way it's edited, it feels like it's coming from a different town. Yeah. <laughs> <This laughs> Microprotex forever. Uh, so there's one. <clears throat> and then another one that's the last thing. And this is something that like, I genuinely find funny. The telescopes that these people use have like... The, w- they have a felon counter. Did you notice? <laughs> so whenever oh, the yes. sheriffs yeah. are looking through the telescope, <laughs> it's like, felon counter? Three. <laughs> But then, whenever yeah. felons are using the telescopes, they have a tracker counter.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Fully customizable. Love it.
0: There you go. That's, <laughs> that's is that smart. like a reference to Terminator or something? <laughs> I don't know. I,
1: I sure hope so. But at least, I mean, this was this one moment where I was just thinking to myself, like, these people are actually kind of sort of having fun, I hope. Or, or is this like an inside joke that was just left in there in post? by someone, and uh, Conrad Parmesano, who is just, you know, like a straight and narrow narrow go- didn't know, and then uh, after the end, it was complete. He didn't even finish watching the movie. He was just like, I'm done in here. I need to go and get my
0: shopping, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> finish so, setting up the breaker. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, So, Bottoms, that's going to be easier.
0: Yeah, okay, so for Bottoms, uh, there's this the There's a scene where uh, Walker's wife, she sees these bad guys coming. The baddies are coming. So she and her son run back into, I don't know, is it the the warden's house or something? But they run into this house and Michael Perry is on top of a, a shed or something and he's shooting and he's shaking the gun like he'd be, you know, shaking a little shaker for a cocktail drink. He's shaking the gun and you hear sound effects, but there's no explosions whatsoever coming out of the end of the gun. So it's just he's just shaking a hose or something. It's just great. <laughs> well, it
1: plays very well into my porno analogy, by the way.
0: There you go. Uh, but it's so bad. It's so bad. Uh, okay. So, uh, th- yeah, the kid in this, I think, was really bad and he and it leads to sort of a, a bad moment in terms of developing Fernsworth's backstory. I guess he has a backstory. And I just thought just the use of the kid and I don't know how the kid's connected to Fernsworth anyway, but the kid goes to a locker or a closet. What's in there? It's locked. Fernsworth says, I know it's locked and it'll stay locked until I need it. And it's just such badly written story and foreshadowing. It's just uh, brutal. So I just sort of tagged that as an example of how bad the the writing is in here. And I just I thought this scene was just sort of what what is this? Uh, and just the whole idea of our prison has no walls. There's nowhere to go. We're basically early 1800s Australia. Well, you know what? That's not true because there's a community. Right there. And it's a fancy community because they have these little cocktail parties and there's all these vehicles. So it's just the whole conceit and the idea of this prison, I thought, was just really weakly constructed. And I guess in short, the world building is <laughs> just yeah. terrible here. Calling it
1: weakly constructed almost is a compliment because it assumes know. that someone's constructed
0: something. <laughs> <laughs> It's my way of being positive at the end of the day, or at least gentle. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's me. That's what stood out Is
1: I've got a few, I've bad. got one that I didn't know where to put, whether to put it on a top or a bottom. list. So I might as well mention. The swallowing guy slash the grunting guy. There's this one prisoner who swallows something. And I'm not sure what it is. Cause I don't remember. I don't really want to want go back and rewatch it, but he, he, there's this scene where he just swallows there's- something. that. Mm-hmm gulp, (laughs) and then cut to, like, the camera points at a hole in the wall, and you hear this (laughs) 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 it's just grunting, and then just, like, Michael, Parry, and all, all these people are just waiting for this guy to shit something out, and then he shits it out, flushes the toilet, and then just throws it to michael parry and it's just (laughs) gross (laughs) Uh,
0: i don't even know what it was it was a chip or something because then i think he gave it to the 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 nerdy guy that kept i don't even know the brain surgeon (laughs) yeah so it gives it to him and he attaches it to some i don't know electrical wall unit and that leads to the explosion i think
1: I all right because we forget to mention that in this story they want to kind of just blow up this sort of the landing strip or something so that people who are in the transport will be stuck in orbit or something yeah i, I think this is in this film right like i'm not imagining this imagining I, this no I, no i think i, I think, think there's
0: something it. like that
1: yeah so that's so that's 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 an element that i didn't know where to put another one that i really kind of don't know what to do but i think it belongs on the bottom three list is the uh Richard Farnsworth' dream sequences, because mm-hmm. <laughs> he kind of just <laughs> breaks into into a sweat and he has these <laughs> visions. I think of his dead wife, and I think there's this secret. Who is that? Don't ask or something. I don't know. And he just wakes up, and then with this sort of Terry Gilliam camera on him, and I don't, I don't quite know what's happening, because uh, it's never paid off in any meaningful way. It's just like, oh, he just has nightmares.
0: It's foreshadowing because he's he's part of the dream involves him trying to load his gun when he needs to and he can't do it and the bad guy throws a knife at him
1: yeah smart this movie is sm- maybe it deserves another star don't know no, no, uh, no one thing I found funny that's another one so the, the, when the warden kind of goes into this massive speech about how this is impos- this, this prison is impossible to escape and Michael Paré escapes right there and then yeah <laughs> 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 Uh, and then my bottom bottom is, I suppose this may be a kind of a reference to like a Bugs Bunny, sort of like a type of a Western. I'm not sure. I'm hoping this is something, this is me crossing my fingers, thinking that this is the filmmakers actually making making a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, sort of reference to something that would actually imply that they watch anything else other than their own mirror reflections. Um, is the uh, Walker takes forever to die? I have, that's my note. Because Walker gets a bullet in the chest, (laughs) he gets into a dune buggy, then, um, then shoots, then just gets into a chase, and then he retreats. He goes back to his house, retrieves his son, has a conversation, and then he dies.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's great.
1: So yeah, that's a good one. That's my bottoms. I think in the interest of time, I don't think this... I mean, I think if you if you look closely, I think you can find this on YouTube. Um, but yeah. I would advise against seeking this out. I'm, I'm honest to God. Like, this is a movie that needs to kind of just... You know, there, there was a bottom shelf in the v- v- VHS store for a reason. And then it was bottom bottom for, for a reason so that people wouldn't just go and bend over and say, ah, you know, it's not worth my time. So I think we've done it. So... Andy, where can we find you on social media and whatnot?
0: All right. You can find me on Twitter at Randy Burrows. You can find me on Letterboxd at Bradge7. You can find me on clapperltd.co.uk.
1: Awesome. And uh, you can find me talk about film on Twitter, Jakob Flash on Letterboxd, flashonfilm.com. I've been writing recently, so, you know, go and read yeah. my stuff. You know, I've been, I've been, I've been a good boy. I've been writing a few pieces a week now, so nice. I'm happy with myself. No one's reading them, but I'm happy I'm, I'm writing them. So, you know, it's good. This is the beauty of having access to the stats of your website and seeing like, how no one gives a shit. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, you can find me there. And then, you know, clapperltd.co.uk is one of our HQs. Also, uncutgemspodcast.com is where you can find our show and everything in it. Uh, patreon.com slash uncut is where you find our bonus shows bonus recordings so our bonus Soderbergh retrospective going all throughout 2023 is going to be found in there at least the one the one film the one blah, those films that are a bit more popular Our John Cassavetes marathon also has a home in there other bonus tie-ins and our complete David Lynch Marathon, other bonus times, mini retrospectives, and whatever else is in there. Also, follow us on social media at Uncut Gems Pod, everywhere. And then also, you can, you know, leave us a comment, leave us a review, leave us a whatever. And you can also, ko slash Uncut you can leave us a donation if you so choose. But if you don't, it's all okay. We're, we're friends in here. So remember to sign up to our Patreon before the end of January and you'll, you'll receive a mug. And then if you don't, then, you know, you won't receive a mug. Simple's. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a pretty
0: easy formula. <laughs> it's
1: just what it is. That's, how I, that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm padding the runtime, baby. Uh, yeah, so stay tuned until next week, because next week, uh, before we jump on our February theme of um, Oscar winner sequels, we'll quickly touch base with Steve Soderbergh, and we'll be talking about the underneath and Skitzopolis mm-hmm. on our main show so stay tuned for that and before that hits the uh hits the airwaves i'm pretty sure on our patreon already you'll be able to hear king of the hill so until then we hope you have a better time you know with your weekend than we had watching this piece of shit film so have a nice day